You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we're going to continue on with our little uh, grab baggy series. I've got a few questions. I don't know how many, but I see there's some in uh, my voicemail text message thing. If you do have any questions for the show, be sure to check the um, show notes or whatever, because the phone number is in there. As I'm doing two-a-days, any questions and comments would be appreciated. It helps me kind of fly through these. Uh, creating content in the off-season isn't exactly the easiest thing in the uh, universe to do. But uh, let's go ahead and dive in. We'll take our break right away, and then we'll jump into our first question. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the first question is entirely outside of my wheelhouse, but I'll play along anyways because I'm, I'm pretty good at uh, cheating at these games. But the question is from Nate from Weston, Wisconsin, and I think I'm pretty far behind on some of his questions, but let me get to his last one here. He says, if you could bring back one player from any point in Packers history to put on the field this season, who would it be? Hope you're enjoying Florida. I was, thank you. So I, as I've said several times, I'm not a historian. Um, I'm even somewhat ashamed of the lack of knowledge I had in the 90s. As much as I was a massively diehard Packer fan, I just liked watching a a, a Packers team wearing a Packers uniform win football games. I didn't really uh, understand the nuances of the game. I didn't really understand anything about any other players. So to go back throughout history is like, I I just, man, even to this day when I hear people arguing about quarterbacks, you know, Marino versus Aikman versus whoever, it's like, man, I don't know. I remember they were good. That's that's all I remember, though. But here's what we're going to do. There's not a super easy way to do this, but if you want to play along or if you haven't read it, it's actually pretty cool. Um, a gentleman by the name of Mike Jacquard, uh wrote one series for Packernet. He reached out and he wanted to do a top 100 list of the Green Bay Packers. Now, this is a very, very good um, read. It's in a 10-part series, obviously 10 groups of 10, starting from 100 and working its way back. Now, I 
failed to put in little links in each article so that you can go from one to the other. The one way I found to do it, if you go to Packernet, click on blog, there's going to be a search on the right-hand side, and then, well, I typed in Mike Jacquard. You don't really know how to spell that. It's M-I-K-E-J-A-C, and then Quart, Q-U-A-R-T. Otherwise, the series is called Greatest Packers of All Time. I think I titled them all so that that should work. Um, One of them is 100 Greatest Packers of All Time, but it should still pop up. So maybe just try Greatest Packers of All Time. Anyways, I just started from one and worked my way back. Again, I would encourage you to go read this because there's a lot more insights and it's very, very cool. But we'll kind of run through it together. So I I think what I'm going to do, it's really hard. And and this is one of those things, too, where because it's all kind of fake, these are the things that somehow generate the most anger. So maybe we'll just go through options. But I want to run through some of the players that I'm not going to use because we don't really have a need there. And that is to start with um, number two, because number one actually makes a lot of sense. But the number two greatest player of all time, and given the current situation, I'm guessing a lot of people are going to be angry that he's number two and not number one, but it's still a great honor. And ahead of the other two quarterbacks, Bart Starr. So at number two, Bart Starr. Number three, Brett Favre. Number four, Aaron Rodgers. These are the number two, three, and four greatest Packers of all time. I'm not going to argue or argue for the list. Not my place. You go ahead and have fun. If you want to pick a fight with me on this, it's just, you're just punching at the air because I have no interest in it. <clears throat> but I'm going to say we don't have a need for this um, because not only do we not need a quarterback, but one of these people is our current quarterback. Uh, number five, he has Forrest Gregg offensive tackle. You could call that an option. If you wanted to, we could say, hey, let's just plug in Forrest Gregg at right tackle. Good to go. But again, I, I don't generally like the disrespect for Balaga, and the question was about this year. This year, Brian Balaga is here. This year, Brian Balaga is going to play. I'm not going to bring back Forrest Gregg from you know the the time machine to plug him in because maybe he gets hurt. I'm not putting Forrest Gregg on the bench. Not when I have the opportunity to put any Packer of all time on the starting roster today. We're going to skip number six because I think it would be a fantastic addition and go to number seven, which absolutely pains me because if there's one person I did understand how great he was, it was probably Reggie White. However, as much as he could come in and just tear things up, maybe more so and have a higher impact than just about anybody, even though we have a lot of depth, I'm not going to do it because it's not really a need. I'm sure a lot of people would, and I would not be upset about that. Reggie White would come in, he would start, he would play over all the other guys. We'd be putting Preston and Rashawn and everybody else would be sitting on the bench, and that would be just fine. But I am not going to put number seven Reggie White on there. Uh, Number eight is not going to be on the uh, team, Tony Canadeo, running back, known as the Grey Ghost of Gonzaga. Likewise, I'm not going to be putting number nine on there, Paul Horning, again, because we have that position figured out. And likewise, likewise, Clark Hinkle, fullback slash linebacker, although we could put a linebacker on the team, I'm not going to add him either. In the interest of this being kind of fun, I'm actually going to go from 11 to 20 or whatever also. And then what I'll do is I'll work my way backwards. Maybe I won't even pick. I'll work my way backwards from the top 20-ish of the people that I think could be on the team. And you you, you, you let me know in the Facebook group who you would put on here. Uh, number 11, another player I'd love to have, but because of the depth, I'm not going to put him on. And that's cornerback Herb Adderley. A four-time first-team All-Pro. Two Super Bowls, etc., etc. Fantastic player. Another guy that would come in, start, be the number one guy, and not even be a problem but not exactly a position to need. Number 12, Johnny Blood McNally, another running back, so we won't be putting him on there. 
Jim Taylor, another running back, violent, scary human being. I'd love to have that tough tenacity, but we're not doing that. And I think also, as much as I'm trying not to play the whole generational game, I'll at least say that the scheme was probably a little bit different. At 14, we got Robert Cal Hubbard, another tackle. Again, not doing tackles. At 15, Willie Davis, another guy that would be a great pass rusher, but just not super interested in that. Willie Wood at 16, great safety. And actually, you know what? I'm going to save that. We need three safeties. We'll catch him on the way coming back. And I I think that's going to be it. Now we're going to work our way, I guess, from 19 down to 1 and look at some of the guys that are on this list that I think could come in and start and and produce for the Green Bay Packers. I'll probably default to who the number 1 is just because it's number 1, and again, I'm going to be lazy and cheat. But I I do want to hear what everybody else thinks, and if it's not on the list, I don't care. But this is going to be a fun one for discussion. For anyone that wants to play along, but especially for the, uh, the history nerd folks, if you could bring back any Packer, who would it be? So at number 19... We got Mr. Mike Michalski, guard, played in the 20s and 30s, so if I uh, mispronounce his name, I'm sorry, but better known as Iron Mike. Inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as part of its second induction class in 1964, Iron Mike led the Packers to three consecutive NFL titles from 1929 to 1931. Again, we kind of forget that the Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi era wasn't the first time the Packers were a dominant force. There's going to be several people on here that are going to be a reminder of the time when the Packers were just fantastic. Right? The Packers won the first two Super Bowls, which is awesome, in 61 and 62. They went on a three-year streak, 65, 66, 67. That's the whole parallel between the Packers and the Patriots, right? They were just dominant. But there's also when the Packers won in 29, 30, and 31. Then they came back and won in 36, and then they won in 39, and then they won in 44. And then there was a lull, and the Packers were not good. But about, you know, 15-ish years later, then you get the 61-62, and then the 65-6-7. and 7. So, uh, it's part of the reason I really, really like the article that Mike did, is that he, he looks at all these teams, and all these players that made these teams fantastic. And so, at number 19, Iron Mike, and considering how guys were back in the day, and with a nickname like Iron Mike, I think I want to put him at right guard. Put him on the strong side, and let him just knock people's heads off. At number 18... Somebody a little bit more modern, Mr. Charles Woodson. Now, I know I I wasn't going to put him on because, you know, we kind of don't need it. But again, considering we need three safeties, I'm going to leave this one wide open. Charles Woodson was as versatile as they come. So regardless where you want to put him, and for that reason, I think he'd be a good fit. I don't think his best spot is in the slot or in the the box. I mean, not that he can't handle it, but man, you're really missing out. But just imagine Charles Woodson and Darnell Savage roving over the top with Adrian Amos in the box, or however you want to do it. Again, they're versatile. You can put them in the put put anyone anywhere, and it's a fantastic situation. Uh, number seventeen, Jerry Kramer, another guard, a little bit more of a well-known guard, basically the second Iron Mike, but another guard that we could use along the offensive line. At number sixteen, as I said, Willie Wood, very similar to Charles Woodson. Now, if I'm playing this game and we're going to do a safety, I am going to go with Willie Wood. Just because, again, on this list, he's higher. But Willie was, was very similar. He played free safety, but was a pretty fierce and violent tackler. That would be a phenomenal guy to have on our team. And then jumping into the top ten, I think there's only two guys here. Um, at number six, it's Mr. Ray Nitschke. Now, if I'm not, if, if I didn't give myself these rules because I didn't want to subject myself to criticism, so I'm just going to default to the number one. If, if it was honestly up to me, I'd probably just go Ray Nitschke. 
I think linebacker is still a pretty big need. I think with his violence, although, you know, again, if, if we're going to be super specific, I don't know how good of a fit he is in today's scheme. He's way too violent. I mean, he's just going to get ejected in week one. He's going to be suspended and fined and banished from the NFL day one. But again, I'm, I'm not, we're not getting that specific with it. Let's try to have a little bit of fun with this. If we take his level of talent in that era, translate it to whatever that looks like in today's era, and say we get that guy at linebacker with his violence and, and tenacity and all that kind of stuff, that kind of a tone setter, yeah, man, I would love to have a Ray Nitschke. So he's number six on this list, and I'd love to have a linebacker of that caliber. Number one overall, the player that was put ahead of Bart Starr, is Mr. Don Hudson. And it, it seems kind of, of funny, but if you actually look on Wikipedia, 1935 to 1945, when the Packers were first dominant, it was called the Don Hudson era. Don Hudson was the ultimate do-it-all. He's primarily known as a wide receiver, so obviously we plug him in day one. We're, we're talking about, I, I'm trying to think of who a parallel would be. I mean, there, there really is no parallel because he actually doubled and played on defense as a safety. So, I mean, if, if we're going to play by that rule as well and allow that, then yeah, we're getting a top uh, wide receiver. One of the, We're getting the best wide receiver in the NFL and also a guy that plays safety for us. But let me just read this little entry here. It says, the arrival of end, because his position was known as split end, Don Hudson from Alabama 1935 gave Lambeau and the Packers the most feared and dynamic offensive weapon in the game. So think about that. He's the the best offensive weapon in all of football. And it says he led the league in receptions for eight seasons. So we're talking about not just a guy that's dominant, but a guy that was dominant. I mean, he, I, 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 Jerry Rice, eight years. I mean, a guy that if, if he, he's the re, what other wide receiver is the, the reason teams are winning? I don't know if that's ever happened, where you look at a team and say, without this wide receiver, this team doesn't go on a however many year championship run. I mean, Jerry Rice is the only thing that comes to mind for me personally. It says he was credited with inventing passing patterns. So it's he, he's inventive, he's athletic, he plays offense, he plays defense, he leads the league in receptions eight seasons out of the, in a row. He spurs the Packers to an NFL championship in 36, 39, and 44. He led the league in interceptions as a safety in 1940. Hudson claimed 18 NFL records when he retired in 1945, many of which still stand today. In 1951, his number 14 was the first to be retired by the Packers. He was inducted as a charter member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1963. Beyond that, it goes on to say from 46 to to 58, the first line, after Hudson's retirement, Lambeau could not stop the Packers' slide. In other words, after he retired, and we're talking about even at the end of his career. So at the end of his career, the Packers were doing great. As soon as he leaves, this thing just falls apart. Outside of quarterbacks, I don't know that there's been a player like this. And this is the reason why I think it's fair, as much as it seems crazy, to put a wide receiver over Bart Starr. You look at that era, you can't put it just on Bart Starr. You can put a lot of it on Bart Starr, but I mean, this is just a different kind kind of person. To where if we were alive then, Don Hudson is it. Don Hudson is the guy. He's, he is football. It's not just he is the Packers, which is true. He is football. There's nobody like him. He's just better than everybody. He's, he's Jerry Rice and Charles Woodson all in one person. So am I cheating? Yeah. But who am I going to put if I can put anybody from any era on our team? I want Don Hudson. Again, if Don Hudson playing the generational game, I'm not going to pretend to be dumb here. If you take Don Hudson... 
and put actual Don Hudson on the Green Bay Packers? Is he going to come back and be Jerry? No. No, it was a different era. Things were different then than they are now. He probably wouldn't even make a practice squad today. I I shouldn't even make these statements because people are just going to flip out because this is how you get into fights. But again, we're leaving that all aside because you could say something similar to Jerry Rice, although he's much closer. You put prime Jerry Rice on the Green Bay Packers, he's going to be probably number one on the team. But I'm just saying, things change, schemes change, everything changes. But by the rules that I'm going by, you take Don Hudson and the guy that he was, and you translate that to what that means in 2019, you have not just the number one wide receiver, you have the clear number one. That's why I, I you know, I don't say, I, 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 if I, there's, there's, there's no words. There's no other comparison I can come up with. I mean, I'd like to say Megatron. But even then, there were guys like nipping at his heels that were maybe the same and, you know, possibly even better than him at, at given years. But that that's the absolute best thing I can come up with. You know, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, Calvin Johnson. That was Don Hudson, but even more so. We're talking about from the day he stepped foot on the Green Bay Packers to the day he left, this guy was by far the greatest wide receiver in the game, as well as being a very, very good safety. A guy that, you know... When he came to the Packers, the Packers won championships. When he left, they couldn't get back on their feet until Vince Lombardi showed up. You know, you look at all the different pieces, and, and you know, if you go through history, it's, it's kind of crazy. There have been certain people that have got the Packers where, they're, where they are, and you've heard stories about guys where if it wasn't for this person, the Packers would have gone away. You know, what would have happened if Lombardi never went to Green Bay? Well, the Packers probably would have dissolved a long time ago. You know, look at even more recent history. In the 90s, it was like, you know, I don't know, this thing isn't going well. Packers are kind of trash. Are we going to move the team? You've got certain people at certain eras that just came at the right time. I think the original might have been Don Hudson. You look at the teams that the Packers played against, none of those teams exist anymore. I mean, you got the Bears, you got the Packers, you got the Giants. That's it. Boston Bulldogs, Buffalo Bisons, um... Chicago Cardinals, strangely you had Chicago Bears and Chicago Cardinals, I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, The Dayton Triangles, good, wow, why was that a thing? The Frankfurt Yellow Jackets, Minneapolis Red Jackets, so there you go. The Orange Tornadoes, the Providence Steamroller, just one, not multiple, they're not steamrollers, collectively they are a steamroller, and the Staten Island Stapletons, just (laughs) listening to these lame names like Triangles and Stapletons, just makes me think of like the 1920s. I'm gonna punch you in the mush. But really, why why are some teams still going? Why are the Green Bay Packers still there? Little team out of podunk nowhere. Well, the reason they got through this era without being eviscerated and just dissolved and, you know, reemerge as the Milwaukee Thunderhawks or whatever is because some guy out of Alabama comes over, plays wide receiver, tears up the entire... Which, you know... Granted, winning in that league, which is a very small league of people that don't, you know, football wasn't even hardly a thing. But as far as being transformational and impactful, very few people in the NFL ever have done what Don Hudson did for as long as he did. So, um, again, props to uh, Mike Jacquard for recognizing that, because the more I look into it, the more I realize how incredible that is, not just for him as an individual, but how impactful that is for the Green Bay Packers being who the Green Bay Packers are today. Just asking the question, is there a Green Bay Packers today without Don Hudson? I believe the answer to that question would be no. So um, I'm actually going to just read what Mike had to say about Don real quick, 
And then again, make sure you put in the comment section your thoughts on who you would want to bring back to this team. Just have fun with it. I, you know, general framework. You want to go outside of the Packers, I don't even care. But here's what he has to say. Don Hudson, split end, 1935 to 1945. Precious few players revolutionize a position, but the Alabama Antelope, again, 1930s, did just that. (laughs) That's so weird. And there goes the Alabama Antelope. Look at him glide. Hudson's stats, which included 74 catches for 1,211 yards and 42, were unheard of at the time. In a blowout win over the Lions in 1945, Hudson scored an incredible 29 points in a single quarter, which remains a league record. (coughs) I can't even imagine that. I mean, a team putting up 29 points in a quarter is unbelievable. A player scoring 29 points in in a quarter is insane. His single-season record of 17 touchdown receptions in 1942 stood for 42 years until broke by Mark Clayton in 1984. And just for fun, because I'm, I'm really enjoying this, I had no intention of doing this, but I'm really liking looking into Don Hudson here. That was the end of what Mike had to say. I want to look at a little bit more of, of what he's done. 11 seasons, 488 career receptions, 7,991 receiving yards, 99 touchdowns, 9 all-NFL selections. Here are all the records that he had broken, several of which remain today. So most seasons where he led the league in scoring, five. That record stands today. Most consecutive seasons where he led scoring of five still stands today. Most touchdowns scored in a quarter, four stands today. Most touchdown receptions in a quarter of four stands today. Most points scored in a quarter, 29, that record still stands today. Most seasons where he led the league in touchdowns, eight. He played 11 seasons in his entire career. Eight of those seasons, he led the league in touchdowns. Most consecutive seasons where he led the league in touchdowns, he had four. That is currently still a record. Four years in a row, he led the league in touchdowns. Most seasons where he led the league in receiving touchdowns of nine. Again, nine out of 11. There's only two years in which he didn't lead the league in receiving touchdowns. That record stands today. Most consecutive seasons led the league in receiving touchdowns, five. Record stands today. Uh, Most seasons where he led the league in receptions, eight out of 11. That record stands today. Uh, Consecutive was five. That record stands today. Um, Receiving yards and consecutive seasons for receiving yards, seven and four respectively. Both of those records still stand today. Other records that he also broke but have since been broken, um, career receptions, 488. Receptions in a season, 74. Uh, receptions per game, 14. Receiving yards in his career, 7991. Uh, most receiving yards in a season, 1,211. Most receiving yards in a game, 209. Most receiving touchdowns, 99. Most touchdowns in a season, 17. Most touchdowns in a game, 4. Most points scored in a calendar month, 74. That was through, he scored 74 points in four games in October of 1945. So every single one of those are records that he broke, most of which still stand today. That's incredible. 13 records he holds as a wide receiver from the 30s and 40s. Considering what the NFL is today, the fact that nobody can touch his records, that's crazy. So anyways, again, let me know your thoughts on who you would bring back. Uh, kind of fun d- diving into Don Hudson a little bit, but uh, I'm gonna leave it at that. And I guess as much as I wanted to leave it open-ended, um, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna bring back Don Hudson if it's if it's up to me. But let me know your thoughts. I got to go back to work. As sad as that is, hope you folks enjoy your day. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye bye.